I am so excited to have you here, Audrey. For our listeners, we actually have done a swap. So I was recently on Audrey's podcast, which is super exciting. And I'm actually really excited about our topic today because that kind of came out in our discussions after her podcast recording. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Now, before we get started, Audrey, I would just love to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our audience and kind of tell about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Christy, thanks for having me today. I'm super excited to be here. I've owned my consulting agency for 10 years now. And just thinking back to where I started, about nine years ago, I had quit my job. So I had worked a full-time job. And before that full-time, before quitting that full-time job, I had spent like 12 years in corporate working in agencies and then working what we call client side. And after I finished my master's degree, I felt that there was just something more for me. And I didn't know what the next step was, but then I lost my mom. My mom passed away from terminal cancer. She was diagnosed and passed away in three months. And I think that was a kick in the butt for me to start my business. I just, I realized that we can't assume that there is a next day and, and just waiting on our dreams is not what I, I wanted to do anymore. And so I took the 12 years of corporate experience that I had, plus the master's degree I had in communications with a focus on organizational development. And I started my business yeah, it's been it's been 10 years since since that date. Audrey, that's incredible. And I love hearing your story about how that pushed you really to make that next step. Because I think we all have something that kind of motivated us to push us, but you really used, you know, that event in your life and said, I am not waiting. Tomorrow is not promised. So I absolutely love that. So I know that when we recorded your podcast, one of the topics that came up for us that we're going to talk about today is the difference between growing and scaling and what happens during that phase of growth. Specifically, we are talking about growing up to that million dollar mark. So Audrey works with lots of agency owners really in that growth phase and has seen a lot of the pitfalls that they tend to reach. So Audrey, I would love for you to just give us a little bit of insight around the concept of the growth versus scaling and then some of the pitfalls that you tend to see. I think scaling is a a shiny word right now in um, our online world. And I think the difference between growing and scaling is that when you are actually scaling, you're looking at economies of scale. And I'm not going to go into too much of that definition, but for the most part, when we are looking at uh, entrepreneurs who have businesses Underneath that mill mark, what we're really looking to do is to grow that business. And in order to grow that business, it means that we have to help the entrepreneur get out of the day-to-day operations that they're stuck in, right? So if you're, you know, have if you have a business and you're at, let's say, the 250 mark, okay, typically people that I work with are marketers, consultants, and creatives. And they started their business because they were really good at something. And because they were really good at something, their business grew and they got to capacity. And once they got to capacity, they got stuck or they do get stuck. And they get stuck because they are still doing 
all the things in their business. And in order to grow, this is when you have to look at how to get yourself out of the business. And that's what we do at our consultant agency is that we help marketers, consultants, and creatives figure out how to remove themselves or get themselves out of client delivery so that they can put more time and attention back into their so zone of genius or you know, into usually marketing and sales to expand, to expand and grow more. I think that it's a really important point that we make that distinction between when we are at that point where now we just get to achieve economies of scale versus the growth phase involves a lot of investment back into your business. And from the financial side, I know that causes a lot of anxiety for people because we're bringing on new people. We're making huge investments because we are so interested in making that business bigger, right? That is kind of our number one factor when we are in that growth phase. So I love how you mentioned getting the business owner out of that service delivery role. So when we are looking at, we're hitting this bottleneck of we're the one that is creating that backlog. We are the owner. Where do we really start with bringing in more team members and how should we begin to approach that? Great question. Before we even look at bringing in team members, we have to look at the business from the lens of systems. So if we look at a business, we can typically break down a business. Now, this is me generalizing, but typically we can break down a business into five systems, right? marketing, sales, delivery, administration, and HR. And in a smaller business, the first system that I like to look at is the delivery system. That's the client delivery system, right? So if we can figure out how to create what I call playbooks for that delivery system and then processes for those playbooks, we can then start to move the owner out of certain things that uh, they no longer need to be in and have them step into a bigger role. Now, once we start to figure out what the processes look like in a business, it becomes a lot clearer who we need to hire, right? Now, I totally get it. Out in our online world, oftentimes when we run a service-based business, we might hear people say, well, you know, just bring an OBM in, OBM being an online business manager, and, and they will solve all your problems, right? <laughs> and I, I'm going to say I love online business managers. Like, I think they do amazing work. I think in a service-based business, though, that type of prescription doesn't necessarily work because we have to strategically look at how you deliver your services and who's needed to be in your business support delivery because an OBM doesn't do that. An OBM is really meant to project manage a lot of the things that come through the door. And, and as a service-based business, yeah, you've got to look at project management, but you've also got to look at service delivery and strategy and all these other things that are included in your delivery system. So when it comes to figuring out who to hire, it isn't just this one prescription of, oh, you need this one person in your business and it will solve our problems problems, we actually have to dig in and look at it strategically and see who needs to be on your team. Audrey, I think that's such a good point that you make about how that the project management section is actually different than the delivery. And I know as a service provider who is looking to provide a luxury client experience, right? Really making sure that client feels taken care of. That delivery is actually a really key component. And I think something else that business owners tend to get a little bit misunderstood is when you are bringing in somebody to help you, specifically in the instance that maybe it is an OBM, 
you still have to know your processes, right? You still have to know what you want to happen, right? Somebody is not going to come in and tell you what those processes need to be. So I think that is so important. So Audrey, when we are thinking about bringing in that person and really looking at what these processes need to be, what do you recommend for starting? Great question. Before I jump into that question, I there's a point that you just shared there that I want to highlight that and that is it's necessary for the business owner to know their processes because you are the one who created your business and because you created your business, because you have a way of doing things, it's impossible to inject someone into your business and have them read your mind, right? We all want someone to come in our businesses and think and do exactly like us, but unless we provide them the processes, it's hard for them to do that, right? So you're absolutely right. We have to be able to jump in there and build out our own process or at least support someone to come in and build those processes or walk us through it because no one can come in and read our minds, right? So I want to point that out. I think that's a really good distinction. In terms of like, where do we start with processes? I think if you look at each of the systems that I shared, the five systems, generalizing again, marketing, sales, delivery, admin, HR. I mentioned earlier that I'm a big believer in starting with the delivery system because that's how we get an entrepreneur um, out of what we call the day-to-day and into other strategic elements of their business. And when we think of where to start with a delivery system, it really is identifying the playbooks in your delivery system. So what are playbooks? Well, playbooks are a way of breaking down your delivery system into what I call categories. Okay, so I'll give you an example of what categories could exist in a delivery system. And this example would be very fitting for a marketing company, right? So in a delivery system, if you are a marketer, there are these four things that most likely are occurring in your business. Number one, you are providing some sort of discovery. Number two, you're providing some sort of strategy. Number three, implementation. And number four, management. Those are all playbooks, right? So if we understand what playbooks there are in your system, then under every playbook, there are processes, right? Once we know those, once we know those, it becomes less intimidating because then we can choose a playbook to start with. And once we knock out one playbook, we can knock out the rest of the playbooks, right? I think where people tend to get stuck is they tend to look at a system and think, oh my goodness, how do I even begin? Where do I begin? Right, And that's how I begin. I like to look at the system, identify the playbooks, figure out what the processes are under each playbook, and choose one playbook to start with. I think that's such a great way of breaking it down because that is exactly how I started feeling when I looked at all the processes, look at everything. You just look really high level. It feels incredibly overwhelming, but breaking it down piece by piece, understanding how to leverage certain tools, understanding the exact process. I'm like a whiteboard girl, like knowing how you want it to be conceptually before actually putting it into things. I think it's so important because for me, this concept of things flowing from person to person or in a system to system is just I don't know. It doesn't compute in my head. So for me, whiteboarding has been super helpful. Now you can imagine if you like chose one process from administration and one process from client implementation and one process from marketing, that doesn't create a business system. Those are just random processes, right? And so we have to look at the whole system and understand how to develop the whole system. And that's what creates a business is 
figuring out all the different processes that live under each system so that you can hand those processes over to someone that can support running them, right? One of the things that I, I want to mention when we talk about processes and systems is that I think that there is a misunderstanding that once you have systems and once you have processes that um, you can just be hands-off in a business and your business will just run itself, right? One of the things that I know and I work with my clients on is leadership because let's face it, if you run a business, you got to have leadership. Without leadership of people, guess what? Your team doesn't work, right? And and I just want to I want to bring that up because I think a lot of people look at process and systems as this like magic tool and yes, it is magical, right? And it can only take your organization so far. Without the leadership component, we're all, you're stuck in the mud. I think that's a really good point you bring up too because we can give people all these systems and processes and tools, but you know, Correct me if if you have a different opinion, but I think that leadership component not only gives them the steps to do, but it also empowers them to, hey, if you have a better idea, if you want to innovate this, you have the ability to, and I'm here to support you. And I think that's a very important component. One thing I say to all of my new employees as I'm onboarding them is I want you to feel comfortable stepping up to me, talking to me, assuming responsibility for this project. If there is something, a better way we can do it, you see we're missing something. That is kind of where that step comes in to empower people to have more brains in the business than just you. At the end of the day, business is about your team and your people. And processes are always going to be iterated, right? They're not stale things. You don't you don't build them once and they're done, right? You want to make sure they are continually effective and efficient. And if your team is running them, guess what? Your team's going to be the one who identifies how to make it more effective, make it more efficient. And leadership is about empowering them to go ahead and update those processes, go ahead and provide the ideas that they think will make something better. Right? That's that's leadership. It's really supporting people to be better and do better in the business for their own growth, which also then grows your business. Yeah, it, that's a great point too. And they, you empowering them will eventually come back to you. So for people who are struggling with the idea of not just delegating, but empowering people to do others, what insight do you have for them? Or do you have resources that have helped you? Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to empowering other people, there, there's a, there's a key requirement I think is essential. And, and that is understanding the giftings of the people on your team. I think everyone has different gifts and strengths. And if we don't know what those are, it's really hard for us to be able to, number one, tap into them and support them in those strengths and gifts, right? Now, when it comes to hiring and building a team, I am big on using two types of assessments. And usually when I'm supporting an entrepreneur to identify if someone's a right fit, yes, we go through the interview processes and we have a whole process to that. However, I'm also a big believer in using assessments because without assessments, it's hard for us to read into people. Like there's only so much you can tell from an interview, from assignments and all those things, right? So the two assessments that I typically will have the people I work with share with the people they're thinking about hiring is the Clifton Strength Finders and the Kobe A. 
So the Clifton Strength Finders identifies, it can identify either top five or you can do the whole thing, which is I think 30 some odd strengths. And what that usually shows me is, you know, what does this person really enjoy doing when they are working and and where are they most effective and powerful at? And do they do their gifts fit the role that we're actually trying to hire for, which is really important to us, right? And the other is a Kobe A. Kobe A shows us how a person solves problems, right? So different types of positions have a require, I should say, a different way of solving a problem, right? So if you're hiring someone who's needs to be operation minded, their problem solving trajectory looks different than an entrepreneur, right? Without getting into too much details of that Kobe A, let's just say as an entrepreneur, myself being an entrepreneur and you being an entrepreneur, we're actually what we call typically what we call high quick starts. Okay. We start things quick, we think quick, right? If we're hiring someone who's more on the operations side, actually, we don't need them to be such a great quick start. What we need them to have is more operational thinking. And, and that Kobe measurement will show us that that when they solve problems, they're leaning more into the operation sides of the thinking, right? So anyhow, all that to say is that I, I firmly believe that, you know, tapping into people's gifts helps empower them. But in order to tap into people's gifts, you have to know what they are and understand how they naturally solve problems, right? Without that visibility, it's a guessing game, right? And it's really hard to guess. And I think what you said there, that the natural tendency is the really important factor here because we all know anybody can put on a pretty face and fake it for an interview. Or maybe they're even very, very good at that one thing, but that doesn't mean that's what comes naturally to them or they enjoy it. So we could have someone who was in a role and we don't know that that role was eating them alive because they are doing well at it, right? In this world, you can be good at things that you don't enjoy, right? So- we can have people in a role. And I think it's important for us to know that, you know, that's maybe not the right fit for them. I think the other thing you bring up about this is we are talking about business and growth phase right now, which means we're not done growing. Not all positions that have been created in the agency are there. So it's really important to identify those strengths because odds are there will be more roles in the future. So maybe it's right for a person we have in one role right now to shift into another. Absolutely. There there is the there's the outlook of looking at where they could potentially fit into the organization in the future. And I think there's also the reality of small businesses, right? So if you're a tiny business, the person you bring on they might be doing one role with half a foot into another role, right? And you really got to ask yourself, right, is that person really going to be a good fit? for that half a role that you want them to take on because if they're not and they hate it, you know what? They might be gone, right? So it's a good measurement for you to identify where if where you think this person fits. Do they really fit, right? Cuz a good fit, a good team member is someone who not only loves doing what they're doing in your business but feels rewarded at the end of the day for the job they've done because it naturally aligns with how they do things. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And and I love that perspective. So I want to step back just a second, since we are talking about business in the growth phase, what do you think is important to think about during this growth phase? I know sometimes this can literally just feel like a fire drill, like let's just keep growing, let's piece things together as we go. But what do we need to think about long-term that needs to be something that will still support us? Yeah, I think when you're in the growth phase, 
it's what I call the messy middle, right? So it's the messy middle because you want to grow, but in order to grow, you think I have to take on more. That's the natural inclination. Oh, in order to grow, I'm going to do more marketing and do more sales and do more and more. The challenge is if you're not looking inside your business and seeing what needs to be taken care of, if you do all the growing on the outside, let's say you land 10 more clients into your business. Well, can your business support that? Because if your business cannot support it, you will implode. And in a business that implodes, well, no one wants that. Number one, your reputation is not what you want destroyed out there, right? And number two, as entrepreneurs, you know, at the end of the day, we want to serve our people well. We want to serve our clients well, right? And so I think the one thing to be aware of as you grow is, and I know this word is one that is contentious, is for balance, right? So balance, do you believe in balance? Well, I'll just share this. I believe that there is a balance, right? And here's what I mean by I believe there's a balance. I think that as you grow your business, you have to balance internal growth with external growth. If you do not balance those two things, you know, I've seen this before. There are entrepreneurs who get to the messy middle and when they're not balancing things, guess what? They get overwhelmed, they burn out and and then the, they quit the business. I've seen it. I've seen it happen before, Right. And our goal is sustainability. When we work with someone, it really is about sustainability. So what does that mean? It means that there might be some point in your business where we have to stop growth for just a little bit. So when I say stop growth, what I mean by that is we might have to just stop marketing for a little bit so we can look at how to build your insights to support the marketing that you will continue. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to stop all your activities, right? We still want to make sure that we have momentum. We're just not going to add in a ton of marketing activities. We're not going to add in a ton of things that doesn't need to be there in this phase of your business and just shift gears and focus on the other part of your business that that needs attention before you can put your foot back on the gas pedal again, right? And I think there's also a mindset shift that has to happen in this growth phase. That mindset shift is really this idea that adopting this idea that less is more. For A-type entrepreneurs, I think the whole concept that less is more is difficult. Why is that? Because when you first start your business, guess what? You say yes to everything. That's how you grow your business. You say yes to anything that comes at you. Someone has an idea of a service you can offer, great. Say yes, right? Because it's money through the door, right? But you get to this phase in your business where number one, less is more because you've got to know what to say no to in terms of services. You can't do all the services anymore. You've got to identify what the most profitable services are in your business and focus on delivering those because that's where most of the money is going to come through in your business. Number two, less is more. You know, are there clients that are anchor clients in your business that no longer serve your business? Meaning that, you know what? This is the client that got you to where you are right now. But in order to grow your business to the next phase, is there an opportunity to recalibrate the type of services you offer this client? Or perhaps this client isn't the right fit anymore because what they're asking for doesn't fit the trajectory of your business, right? And it's time to perhaps let them go so that you can create more bandwidth and time to focus on other areas of your business, right? So those are just two examples of less is more and why I call it the messy middle because making those decisions is not easy right? Letting clients go is not easy. Letting services go, those are not easy things, right? And yeah, we if we can make it through the messy middle, we end up with a business that's going to grow faster. We end up with a business that's also going to 
have us achieve what we really want to achieve when you started out the business, which is gain that freedom back, right? Gain that freedom back. I love that. And I love how you explained, you know, the whole process of the messy middle. And it's really important to note that like it is the middle. People say starting is the hardest part. And don't get me wrong, that startup phase is also difficult. But I think this messy middle phase, and obviously this is going to vary based on how much you want to grow to until you hit that scaling phase. But I think that we underestimate how long this is going to last. And so in this day and age, I feel like the phrase like, explosive growth is really like idolized. And I specifically remember an instance before I had quit my corporate job and I was interviewing at new companies. One of them like said to me, they were like, oh, we're having explosive growth right now. And I was like, bye, <laughs> see ya, because I've been on the backside of explosive growth and it kind of sucks like when your internal systems aren't set up for that. So just a reminder that, you know, what is being praised in the world right now might not actually be the thing that you want. I, I think if you, I think if you, for a lot of my clients who start their business out as, again, like they're they're typically starting out as these freelancer solopreneurs and then they transition into bringing a team, which really is what we call the agency model. Anytime you start bringing a team really to, to help you deliver services, it's the agency model, right? And I think when we hear explosive growth, it sounds great. It's like, wow, we're we're going to... Sounds like more money, but it's not. <laughs> in, in many ways, it, it, it is, you know, your top line growing, right? But as right. your top line grows, guess what? you either have to spend that money to get the resources to accommodate for that explosive growth, which means that your profit line is actually less, right? So that's one outlook, right? And I think a lot of people don't understand that when you do have explosive growth, that inherently things break, right? So like everything that you've built to run your business to this point, let's say that we have the systems and processes in place already. And if you were to grow, let's just say by th like by 30% per year, which is really good growth rate, you could create systems and processes that really accommodate for that growth. Like you could change out breaking a lot of things, right? At 30% growth per year. But once you have explosive growth, guess what, right? Things have to get thrown out the door and recreated. You're patching 100%, right? And so that the, there's a lot of internal stuff that has to be in place for you to sustain explosive growth. Yeah, I think that's such a good point to make. And that this has just been so insightful. So Audrey, I just want to thank you so much for all of your insights on the whole growth phase, what it looks like specifically for your clients. Now, if our listeners want to reach out, work with you, where can they find you? To find me, you can go to my website. It's AudreyJoyQuan.com. And if you want to look at how to break down your delivery system into playbooks and processes, I highly recommend that you go to this website. And I think it'll be in the show notes. It's AudreyJoyQuan forward slash delivery system blueprint to get the blueprint. Amazing. That is such an exciting resource. I'm going to have to go look at it myself because I'm so impressed with what you've shared with us. So to our listeners, that definitely will be linked in the show notes. Take a look at that and make sure that you have this head start on your systems and processes as you face this growth. So Audrey, I just want to thank you again so much for being here. And to our listeners, we will see you next thank week. Thank you.